All of us, um, we build our lives upon philosophies. Unknowingly, knowingly, we always do that. Antidotes, things that, uh, ideas that we believe life should be. And one of the, one of the philosophies that I, have, that I believe and, and try to live into is this. You may have heard me share this before. Um, and that is that oftentimes the good can become the enemy of the best. Now, there are a variety of, of variations of that philosophy of life, um, but this is the one that, that um, I know. If I don't live into it, it could cause me problems. Now, what does that mean? The, the good can become the enemy or a distraction from the best. Well, let me give you an example. When my kids were little, probably not unlike your kids, or your grandkids, uh, they were involved in everything. They were involved in sports, football, basketball, uh, soccer, softball, you name it. They were in um, chorus and uh, Cub Scouts and cheerleading camps. The, the list could go on and on. All good stuff. These were things that my children participated in that taught them self-discipline, that, that uh, taught them social skills. And they had fun doing them at the same time. All good things. But what we discovered was this. The deeper our kids got into all these activities, all these good activities, they oftentimes began to put stress on our family. For example, uh, they would schedule uh, ball games on Sunday mornings because after all, who goes to church on Sunday mornings these days, right? Or they would um, schedule a practice of some sort early in the morning during the time when we would be um, doing family devotions. And while this was beginning to unfold in front of us, Lisa and I were going, have these good things become a distraction from the best things? Now that can happen in all of life, by the way. You know that, right? No matter what segment or facet of your life, um, the good things of life can become a distraction from the best things in life, even including your church life. And in fact, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we continue this journey that we have been on to um, unlock the power of prayer. Today, we're going to focus on the good things that Christians do that might actually be a distraction from the best things that Christians should be doing. So, where do we begin? Let's begin by just taking, we'll use Prairie Bible Church as kind of our, our um, laboratory. Let's just take kind of a panoramic view of the, the rhythm of the life of Prairie Bible Church. Things that we invest in, good things, Christian things that we invest in as part of the rhythm of the life of Prairie Bible Church is we, um, we involve ourselves in mission and ministry on a regular basis, and that is a very good thing. For example... Uh, Randy and um, uh, Rita, they have, they have, they're involved in a, a, a service project, a ministry called Sleep in Heavenly Peace, right? And it's a wonderful thing where we are, are they're inviting people to build bunk beds for kids that don't have beds. That's pretty awesome. And, and there's different ways to get involved in that ministry. On October 26th, Randy, is that right? You guys are going to be helping to build beds. Uh, is, is everybody involved in that? I mean, can anybody do that that wants to? Anybody that wants to? So if that sounds like something God has laid on your heart to do, come and see Randy. Um, our life group, uh, Rita Jelnick, I, I thought it was a Holy Spirit moment. She had come and talked to our life group about that being that 
a mission for us, and um, we're going to, um, there's different ways to be involved, I guess is what I'm saying, so that's kind of cool. So we involve ourselves in mission and ministry, good things. We involve ourselves in discipleship opportunities, right? We do life groups, which is our small groups for those of you who are new, and we, our goal is to have everybody involved in a life group that wants to be involved in a life group. Uh, we do Bible studies, we do Sunday school, we do lots of discipleship opportunities, all good things. We have a committee structure, we have a building committee, we have a, um, a ministry board and an administrative board, all good things that help us to administrate the, the, the life of the church. Have I forgotten anything? Well, I forgot what we're doing right now, right? We, every week we pour our lives into um, a worship service. You come hoping to hear an inspirational message, right? That's what I thought, yeah. You come hoping to hear a message that will feed you, challenge you, inspire you as you go into the next week. All good things. Here's my question. Are any of those good things a distraction from the best things? Well, before we can even answer that question, we, we probably better discover or define what the best is. So let's do that. Um, mission and ministry. Mission and ministry is a good thing as long as we recognize that the reason why we're doing mission and ministry is because we love Jesus. If we don't remember that the reason why we're doing mission and ministry is because we love Jesus, it can degenerate into nothing more than good works. There's nothing necessarily wrong with good works, but if we don't remember that those good works are born or birthed out of the relationship that we desire to have with Jesus, they're just that. They're just good works. Um, a good sermon. If you, if you come to church hoping that you're going to hear a good sermon, that's a great thing. If ha, hearing a good sermon, if the reason why you come to hear a good sermon is so that it will draw you into a deeper love affair with Jesus, that's a great thing. Because if the only reason you're coming is to be entertained, there is such a thing as religious entertainment, and it's really not worth more than just entertainment. You got to hope and desire that it will draw you into relationship with Jesus. Bible study is a wonderful thing. But if you're not studying your Bible in order to better be in a relationship, in a love affair with Christ, studying your Bible is nothing more than an intellectual exercise. You getting the point? All of these good things are really only good enough if we're doing them to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. So the best thing that any Christian could be involved in is what? Being in relationship with Jesus Christ. And the best way to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, the most direct channel to being in relationship with Jesus Christ is prayer, because that is the essence of prayer. Prayer is just that. It's not a religious, just a religious activity. Prayer is you choosing to be in relationship, to be in conversation with God. And it's pretty cool that God wants to be in conversation and relationship with you, isn't it? It's, it's the best thing when you think about it. 
The Scripture that Hannah read for us earlier proves that, that that's what God thinks too. You remember the Scripture? It was kind of a weird one, wasn't it? I don't know if you were paying close attention to it, but it's found in Revelation chapter 5, and basically what it is, uh, if you look at it in its context, what it is is giving us a glimpse into the very throne room of, of heaven, which is kind of cool in and of itself. But what we soon discover as you, as you begin looking into this this glimpse is that there's a lot of what's going on there that is indiscernible. What did it say again, remember? Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. It said that then he, the Lamb of God, who's Jesus, right? We know that part. Then he, the Lamb of God, Jesus, took the scroll. And then the four living creatures and the 24 elders bowed down before him, each having a harp, and a golden bowl full of incense, which was the prayers of the saints. People have been trying to figure out that, the meaning and, and the imagery in that verse for thousands of years. We know that Jesus is the Lamb, that's, the part, that's part of it that we get. But what was on the scroll? I have no idea. All we can do is speculate, really. Um, and what in the world were these four living creatures? I have no idea. I have no way to even envision what these living creatures uh, must have been or what their purpose was. And, and what about the 24 elders? We can speculate who the 24 elders is, but the truth of the matter is nobody knows who they are. From this verse, there's so much that we really can't know, but there's a couple of things that we can we can discern from this verse what God thinks is the best. What did the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders do? They got down on their knees, right? Or they bowed before the Lamb, who is Jesus. And what did they have with them? They had a harp. You know what the harp is? It was to worship the King, the Lamb. So when you guys are leading us in worship, you are leading us into the best thing. Well, there's another best thing. Because it wasn't just a harp that the, the four creatures and the 24 elders had in their hands, right? They had a, a, a golden bowl full of incense, which was what? The prayers of the saints. And who are the saints? See, that's one that, that a lot of us, we get a little uh, freaky about. You are the saints. And you're thinking, well, I, I'm no saint. I'm a sinner. I mean, I'm full of sin. I mean, you know when Megan was talking about the examples in Henry's life about sin? She was talking about Tom. <laughs> we are sinners, aren't we, Tom? Just say yes. It's all right. <laughs> But that it doesn't, our sin is not what defines us. You are a saint because of the lamb that, that died for you. You are a saint not because of what you did, but because of what the lamb did. And it's your prayers that God is, he, he, he holds them like a treasure in his very throne room, in his very inner sanctum. That's how much God values your prayers is that he holds them in a golden bowl 
And they cause Him to love you all the more. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And it is the best thing. In the book, um, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, um, Pastor Simbola, if you remember reading this part, he said, he asked the question, how many people or how many churches in your area have a, have a time or a service set aside on a regular basis exclusively for prayer and praise? Do you know the answer? You may know the answer to that? you have any idea? I, I, yeah, I, honestly, I would suggest that there are not very many anymore. I think it used to be more prevalent, but I suggest to you that pro- I don't know. I didn't do the research. But you want to know what I do know? We don't. We're among those who don't do that. And when I was reading that in the book, I, I thought, well, I wonder why. Why don't we do that? And it didn't take me long to figure out why. I just looked at all the stuff we're already doing. Good stuff that we're already doing. And I realized that you know, when I look at the, the regular rhythm of our church, there's stuff going on in the evenings in particular all the time. Whether it's a life group or a committee meeting, we have a lot of committee meetings, and we need them. And as soon as I, that was the first place I went, was, shoot, I don't even know when we do this. Where would we put this in? And not get in the way of something we're already doing. The first thought that came to my mind was, has the good become a distraction from the best? Because my guess is, your lives are busier than my life. And it makes me think, how many of them have so many good things going on in their lives that they have become a distraction from the best things that should be going on in their lives. Many years ago, for those of you that don't know, I used to, one of the churches I served in this area as a pastor was St. Mark's United Methodist many years ago. And um, we made the decision there that we were going to try to have a regular service of of prayer at, at that church. We decided that we were gonna, it was going to be a half-hour service on Wednesday night from 6 to 6.30, just before all the stuff that we did uh, got going, before um, uh, kids club and, and youth ministry, choir practice, Bible studies, all those things. That's what churches do. Wednesday night happens to be is one of the big nights, one of the big church nights, right? And that's when we try to do all of our stuff. So we decided that we would try to do a, a half-hour prayer service in the sanctuary uh, from 6 to 6.30 before all that stuff happened. And I'll be quite honest with you, and I'm talking about myself as well as I am all those other people, it scared us. We were thinking, what are we going to pray about for a whole half hour? <laughs> Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever just sat down and prayed for just a whole half hour, just prayed? It can be it can be tough. 
But we were going to try. And what we did, basically the rhythm of the service went something like this. We had a, a time of, of praise because what did uh, Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 say? That the two best things, praise and prayer, the two Ps. So we had a time of praise and then we had a time of, of guided prayer. Now I'm going to be completely transparent with you. When the service first began, um, the best word that would describe it is, was uneventful. <laughs> Not necessarily a good way to, to describe a service, right? But that's a, the best thing. I mean, it, what, there was nothing bad about it, but I can't tell you that there was anything necessarily life-changing about it either. But we were trying. And then one night it happened. For those of you that are in my life group, you know the story already. One night as we were having our uneventful prayer service, an obviously intoxicated man stumbled into the sanctuary where we were having the service. And um, as he stumbles in, he, through a kind of slurred voice, said, Hi, my name is David, and I need help. And we invited um, David forward, and we gathered around, and there's probably 15, 20 people there. We gathered around David and said, well, tell us your story, David. And he uh, explained to us that he was an alcoholic, obvious, variety of reasons we knew that was true. He was an alcoholic, and he had been for a very long time. And the thing that had brought him to church that night was that that day, his boss told him, and he had a pretty good job, he said, David, you either get a handle on your drinking or don't come back. And here was the problem. He had been trying to get a handle on his drinking for a very long time, and he couldn't. He was failing. In fact, he came to the conclusion that his only hope was God. That's why he was there. So... We said to David, said, can we pray for you? And we prayed for him. And, and after we were done praying, we said, David, whatever we can do, we will be there for you. And from that moment on, David never missed a Wednesday night prayer service. In fact, at one of those Wednesday night prayer services, David accepted Jesus into his heart as Lord and Savior. I had the privilege of leading him in a prayer to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do. He was still struggling the whole time. It wasn't unusual for him to come to the prayer service intoxicated, but he was there. You know, I wish I could tell you that he had accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior and, and his, his um, um, temptations went away, but they didn't. He still struggled almost every day. But it was on Easter of that year, so they, we started that service in the fall. And it was on Easter of the next year, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I'm still kind of a mess. I still struggle a lot. But I am so glad that I came, I staggered into that church service that night. Because even though I still struggle, now I have hope. And I have hope because now Jesus has me. Isn't that a beautiful story? It's not the end of the story. The very next week, he died of a massive heart attack 
in his apartment. Horrible way to end a story, isn't it? Or is it? I, at first, I was so, at first when it happened, when I got the word that it had happened, and we had become kind of his family because the rest of his family had kind of abandoned him because of the way he had treated them. I, it hurt me that that would happen, and then all of a sudden I realized, no, this happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. Because he wasn't struggling anymore, right? But he still had hope because Jesus had him. That's a cool way to end the story. So I'm wondering, maybe you are now too. A couple of things that we maybe as a church need to be considering. First one is this. If we were to do a regular prayer service, if Prairie Bible Church were to have a regular prayer service, what would it look like? What things would we need to consider? Who would lead it? Who's going to be the champion of it? Does it have to be the pastor? Should it be? Things to consider? Maybe. Does it have to have a champion? We, there are things to consider. It's going to be different for us than it was for St. Mark's, right? Because we don't have a church. We don't have a building. So it's going to be different. So what are the things we need to consider? Something else we may need to consider. What are some things that maybe we need to say no to that we're doing right now? that may be causing us to hesitate to even consider it. Some of those good things, all of them are good, that we're doing as a church right now, that maybe we need to say no to so that we can say yes to the best. I don't know. But I think the Lord will show us if, um, if we ask in prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would move through this church. Because there is no doubt in my mind, or um, I suspect there's not a doubt in anybody's mind here today, that the best has been defined pretty specifically for us this morning. But how to go about it and how to make sure that there aren't things distracting us. That's, those are things that need some reflection and some prayer. And that's what I'm asking for these folks to do. For all of us to seek you out and to seek your will and seek your direction, your purpose, and your plan for our prayers. For, for what our ministry of prayer might look like. I remember many, many months ago sitting in with the ministry board of this church and we deciding and knowing that that prayer needed to be a fundamental pillar of who we are. And that's when um, many new prayer ministries were, were dreamt of and we began to lay the foundation for. It's where this sermon series came from. And as we find ourselves now on this journey, 
we need direction. We confess to you, Jesus, that we aren't that smart. That if, it, if all of this is somehow dependent upon our inspiration, it will never lack. It will never last. But if all of this causes us to um, cry out to you, to want what you want, to prioritize prayer, that's a good thing. And, and that's what I'm asking for us to do corporately and individually in these coming weeks. Show us, Jesus, what you want. And may we be humble and obedient enough to do what you want and not do what might get in the way of it. One of the keys to unlocking the power of prayer is learning not to allow the good to distract us from the best. Show us how to do that, Jesus. In your holy name.